only way we can unlearn coping mechanisms, heal our relational wounds, I always tell my clients is through experience. Our brains, the way that they work, require evidence. They're evidence-based systems. We are evidence-based systems. Welcome back to Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. I'm your host, Bridget Corns. Authentic relationships form the basis for our life experience. As humans, we thrive in relationship. And my deepest desire for you is to experience the fullness of authentic relationships of every kind. As a capstone on this limited September series on authentic relationships, I'm inviting you to join me for my six-week course, Authentic Relationships, starting on October 10th. See the show notes for that link. And now, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Carrie Timinia, who is an author, speaker, and content creator, passionate about empowering people to design better lives through intentional, authentic relationships. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so thrilled that we got connected because how how perfect this is. Um, number one, just because authentic relationships is just your realm of specialty. So that gets me super excited. And second of all, um, just because you have a, a different perspective on this than some of my guests who I've had on so far. So I'm really thrilled to get to hear what that's like from your side. So tell me about the work you do and um, how you help your clients. Amazing. Um, yeah, authentic relationships absolutely gets me excited too. And I love when I meet other people who are like, yes, that's the thing. Um, because I really do believe after years and years of working, not only on myself, but with clients that that sort of is key to living lives that are fulfilling and happy and all the things that we want out of our lives. Right. Um, I think that being able to create authentic relationships requires all of these specific moving pieces that enable us and empower us to create those lives that are intentional and fulfilling. And it means so much to me to be able to help people do that. Uh, and the way that I do that is mostly through helping people master those things. So master authenticity, master radical honesty, no matter what, at master boundary setting and communicating boundaries and enforcing boundaries and really using those tools that they think are going to lead them to just really good relationships and showing them that not only can they get really good relationships, but they can use those same exact tools to curate their entire life experience. Mm. And um, I work with a lot of women who tend to identify as people pleasers. Uh, maybe they identify as codependent. Uh, they've just struggled with sort of dissatisfactory relationships for a long time, aren't really sure, know that there's something missing, don't know exactly what it is. And not only using those specific skill sets, and then I'm also, uh, I believe in somatic work. So I do a lot of EFT mm. tapping just to move energy. And um, we do a lot, lot of sort of developmental trauma work, internal family systems, make sure it's re-imprinting, because a lot of those relational skills were actually meant to be learned developmentally as children. And most of us mm. just missed out on those. We weren't taught, they weren't modeled, no one talked about them, sort of, especially our generation, you know, raised by kind of like boomers and, you know, we, we just weren't given the tools that we needed. And so now we're learning them as women in our twenties, thirties, forties, and 
we do have to go back and sort of address some of those missing pieces, some of the trauma that may have contributed to those learnings. So we do a lot of that kind of work as well, but it's all sort of lending itself to, hey, there are these specific skill sets that you feel like something's wrong with you, but they're very learnable. You can practice Mm -hmm. them just like you would practice anything and you can change everything, not just about your relationships, but about your life too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's so many things that I want to pick up and run with, but I think something that a previous guest had said that really stuck out, stuck out to me and you touched on it again, and I'd love to hear your take on this. They had said to me, you know, relational wounds can't be healed in isolation. Yes. And, but the scary thing is it's like, well, I don't want to enter a relationship with wounds because then it could ruin the relationship. So how do you, how do you make that work? How do you heal those? Yeah, I think that's really profound. And I absolutely agree. So we can't heal, we can't heal our relational wounds in isolation. And I would add to that, that you cannot outlearn your relational wounds. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people I see get stuck in that habit of not just trying to wait to to get into relationships until they're all better, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but they also try to like gather as much cognitive information. They want to read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, you know, uh, watch all the TikTok videos, read all the Instagram posts, and they want to learn enough to get good enough at relationships to then be safe enough to get into a relationship. And the truth is, is that that's not how it works. And the only way we can unlearn coping mechanisms, heal our relational wounds, I always tell my clients is through experience. Our brains, the way that they work, require evidence. They're evidence-based systems. We are evidence-based systems. We have to practice in real life the things that we want to change. If you want something to be different in your life, you have to practice it in real life. Just like if I wanted to learn to like golf or play tennis or pick up a new hobby, I could read about it for a long time, but there's something profoundly different between reading about it and doing it. And so what I encourage my clients to do is, is a couple of things. How do we make that work? Cause we don't want to jump into a relationship and then like burn it to the ground. Right. Right. So I encourage a couple of things. The first is, is I think that we have to unlearn the idea that we'll ever have to be good enough or healed enough to be in relationship. And really, if we're honest, the best relationships are the ones that are safe enough and vulnerable enough and real enough and authentic enough to allow us to practice those new skills and allow us to heal our wounds in real time because the other person is doing the same thing. Mm. And it's always easy. No. Is it fun all the time? No. Will there be conflict? Yes. But conflict's not a bad thing. It's normal, right? So can we, can we prioritize the relationships that let us do that instead of trying to wait until we're fixed enough to get into a relationship? And the second piece of advice I often give my clients is when we talk about relationships and healing our relational wounds, we aren't actually talking about romantic relationships by themselves. So a lot of times when we talk about relationship, the first thing people jump to in their head is romantic connections. I don't want to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner or a wife or a husband or a, you know, I don't want to move in with somebody until I'm, I don't want to mess that up. Well, okay, great. You have so many other relationships 
that you can use to practice skill sets that are not romantic relationships, your family relationships. A lot of us, those wounds originated with our family. They are the perfect people to practice with, right? Our friendships, all the way down to like, if we're going to be real, real simple about what relationships are, it's any interaction I have with another person that serves a purpose, right? So I have clients who struggle deeply with boundaries, say, you know, I I, hypothetically, and they're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm afraid to set boundaries. I don't want to set, I'm afraid to set them with my partner. I'm afraid to set them with my family. I don't know where to start. And so instead of letting them get stuck in like, well, there's, I don't know where to start. So I'm not going to do anything. I encourage them to use every relationship, even if it means, hey, this week, your goal is when you go to the Starbucks and you order your coffee, when they give you the wrong drink, you return it. You tell them, you communicate that you're dissatisfied with the drink, right? That's a relationship. You are interacting with a human, you are being honest and you're setting an expectation. That counts to your brain, that counts. Do we want those people to move up into like bigger, heavier, more meaningful relationships? Yes, but you can start with any relationship, any interaction Mm -hmm. with a human you can practice showing up authentically, honestly, and with boundaries and expectations and clear communication and all those good things. And your brain will count that as evidence. When the barista doesn't lose their minds or yell at you or isn't mean to you or doesn't kick you out of the store, your brain's like, oh, I said what I felt and what I needed and nothing terrible happened. That's a good thing that counts as an evidence. It's one mark of evidence, just one, but it counts, right? So we can use every relationship. We don't just have to wait to get into a romantic relationship to start healing these wounds. Yeah, this is brilliant. And it's it's really interesting that we're talking about this because it dawned on me. So I'm an introvert and I'm headed into an event today where I'm going to be around a, a large group of people, which always just gets me a little bit anxious. Um, but I had this thought, as I'm at the airport, as I'm ordering my Uber, I had this thought, what if I just practice with my Uber driver, who's one person I don't know, I've never met them before, having a really honest conversation? Because that'll get me in the mindset of, I've done this already today. Now I'm going into this space where I might not feel super comfortable, but I've already done it. Um, and that's what I did. And it was it was incredible. Like we had, we talked the entire way. I learned like, family history and personal stories, which was amazing because it was clear that like he felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. We had a great conversation, but this really illustrates what you just said about like, let's gather some evidence for this. And every relationship is an opportunity to practice. Like now we're friends on Instagram, you know? (laughs) So your brain, literally it's oversimplified, right? How as far as neuroscience goes, but your brain is very much literally like, okay, nothing terrible happened. We're okay. We're afraid of doing, we did it. The world didn't end. The sky didn't fall. I'm safe and alive. Yeah. Maybe it's possible. Right. And that's all that we want from our brains. All we want from our subconscious minds is maybe it's possible. Mm. Because most of us have lived our entire lives thinking it's not possible. It's not possible to be myself. It's not possible to do the hard thing. It's not possible to have the relationship I've always dreamed of. It's not possible for me to not sacrifice my needs in order to get love. It's not possible. And we just need our brains to open up enough to say, maybe, maybe it is possible. And that by itself will change so much. So when you have clients come to you who want to work with you, what is it kind of like overarching big picture that people come and they're looking for? 
most of the time when clients come to me, um, they are looking for, they're, they're looking to, most of my clients are looking to fix their relationship. They're unhappy, they're dissatisfied. They've had some sort of like realization that this relationship isn't fulfilling. I'm not happy. I can't do this anymore. I don't. And and most of the time, that's all they're that's all they think that they want. They think they want a different relationship. And a lot of times because I tend to work with people who fall on sort of the codependent side of the spectrum, we tend to other focus. Um, and so they will be very focused on the behaviors or the patterns or the shortcomings of their partner and all the ways that they wish that they, that were different. And through our work together, most of the time uh, we get to the place where we realize together that what the, what they actually want has nothing to do with that relationship. Mm. And what their soul has actually been craving is being able to be who they really are. Because if we look at relational wounds, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking about attachment wounds, if you are, if someone is anxiously attached, if they're avoidantly attached, if they're codependent, yeah. if they're people pleasers, like whatever relational wound shows up, all of those relational wounds have one thing in common. And that is, is that we learned most of the time when we were children, that we had to be something we were not in order to ensure that we would be loved and accepted. And so we spend our entire lives in an inbuilt pattern of becoming, adapting, trying to be something we aren't. And what those, and what we really want when we get to that point where we're like, I can't, something is wrong. I can't do this anymore. I'm, something is not right here. And we think it's the partner. We think it's our marriage. We think it's our job. We think it's our whatever. What we, the deepest desire, the one that we uncover is, oh, you actually want to be able to be who you really are. You want to be able to be yourself honestly and authentically and know that you have created a life experience. You've curated an experience where you will be loved and accepted and safe anyway. And that's what people are looking That is what I have found people are actually looking for. And it doesn't have anything to do with fixing their relationship. It has everything to do with them finding within themselves the permission that they thought that they needed to just be who they really are. Wow. That's, um, you're really hitting home right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it is a common, yeah. and, and myself too, like I remember real having that realization where I was like, oh, I've been spending all of this time trying to fix my relationships and, and, and that's not actually the problem here. Right. You know, and there are so yeah. many of us that have lived for so long in that pattern that we don't even recognize that it's a pattern anymore. Yeah. We just think it's how you're supposed to be or it's normal and it isn't. Yeah. I, so I arrived at the same space as what you just described through a little bit of a different route, but, but came to this place where I was like, oh, this relationship doesn't work because who I am in this relationship isn't my full expression. And I can't be my full expression in this relationship. And that has nothing to do with my partner at all they don't have any shortcomings. They don't have any faults. They don't have any, nothing to do with them. And I needed them to hear that because we'd been going to counseling for so long and they were so like, they were just beating themselves up over, um, you know, did I, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Am I not good enough? I, and I needed so badly for them to hear this has nothing to do with you. 
if anything, I am strong enough to take the blame for this, you know, failure, which I don't, I don't really think it's a failure. It's all learning. It's all important. It's all growth, but I can take responsibility for this because I didn't know how to show up and and be me in relationship. And, And I'm sorry, like you deserve better than that. And also I deserve a place where I can express safely and wholly as myself. And um, I think that's a really neat intersection of the place where, where your work and my work fits together, because what I decided to do was to start serving individuals to help get them back to that full expression of self. Like who were you before the world put all of these thoughts and expectations and things onto you? You came here as this whole beautiful, complete being, and then you learned all of these things that kind of diminished and minimized and and closed off your light. And it's time for you to shed those things and put yourself back together. And then when you do that, once you've gotten this whole picture of who you are, then it's time for you to enter these authentic relationships because I really feel like I have this, this core belief that joy together, like joy shared is exponentially greater than joy alone. Like whenever something incredible happens in our lives, we want to celebrate it. We want to celebrate it with someone together, like in community. And it's like, once you become this whole version of you who can express in the world and can serve the world in some way, then it's time to create these relationships where you can do that together. And then it just it amplifies and it feels so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's so true. And it's, it's such an interesting place to be in when you have that sort of recognition that all of our relationships that we have right now, however satisfactory or not that they are right. They've been built over time and each person has contributed to the building of that relationship in whatever stage of healing or not healing that we were in. And so oftentimes one of the most challenging parts of healing those relations, relational wounds is having the recognition or the realization that there are some relationships that are so built on each person being a specific version of themselves that are so built on or require a specific way of showing up in order to function that they can't be sustained into your healing. And then there are other relationships that have the ability to adjust and grow. And so I never want my clients to think that like, Hey, when you go through this healing process, it means all your relationships are going to go away and you're going to start over. Um, there are some that will, I've never, ever, I think I've been doing this work with clients for just about a decade now. And I don't think that I've ever had a single person go through this type of an experience where at least one relationship in their life, it wasn't always their romantic partner, but at least one relationship did not end. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that right from the get, I'm like, this happens. It's a thing you are going to, as a part of understanding who you truly are, you will have to reorganize your relationships naturally. They will have to, because you are going to be showing up as a different version of yourself in a relationship that was built on a particular understanding of who you are or who you were. And so those will naturally have to be reorganized. And that comes with a lot of challenge sometimes and a lot of grief and a lot of difficulty and a lot of hard conversations and a lot of work, but relationships can absolutely survive that. And what I tell people is I want, my goal for my clients is to look for the connections 
prioritize the connections, um, put their resources and their time and their energy and their focus into the connections that make them feel more of themselves. If you feel more yourself, if you leave an interaction and you feel more authentic, you feel more excited to be who you are, more, you know, able to show up in the world as yourself, more able to be honest. Like those are the relationships that we want to focus, that we want to build. We want to focus on those. And no matter where your relationship is starting, all relationships I believe can get there, but it's about willingness of two people to show up and do a growth process together and a healing process together. And not everyone is there, right? Yeah. Uh, and not everyone needs to be there. Um, so that it is challenging to be in the position of, as we heal, knowing that it's going to reorganize some of the people and the relationships and the connections we have in our life now, but it is always worth it in the end. And yeah. I often say to my clients, if I could go back in time, like right now as a nearly 40 year old person, and I could go yeah. back in time to my 22 year old self who was like in it at the time, just <laughs> right. in yeah. of like terrible relationship choices and thinking it was never going to get better and trying to be someone she wasn't to earn love and sacrificing herself and her wants and her needs and her desires and just beginning to figure out that there was something not working that as much as she believed and hoped that it would work it was never working if I could go back and just reassure her that like hey this is going to get hard for a hot minute and things are going to change and you're going to grieve some people and you're going to grieve some expectations that you had of people and you're going to grieve some versions of yourself that are not going to be here anymore but after the hard bit it gets so much better. It gets so much more beautiful and so much more life-giving. And if I could show you the people that are in your life now, if I could show you the people that in just a decade will be in your life and who will not only just accept you, because at the time I thought, in the beginning of my journey, I thought I was looking for acceptance. Like I wanted someone to accept me for who I was, right? But I hate that term because I think it's like the bare minimum. I don't want to be accepted in my life. My goal in my relationship is no longer to be accepted. That's what it was. I thought I was like, I just need someone to love me for who I am and to accept me for who I am. And now I'm like, that's not enough. I don't want people in my life to accept me. I want people who are like ridiculously thrilled to celebrate who I am because they couldn't imagine their lives without me and vice versa. Like, I don't want to be accepted. That's bare minimum. I want to be celebrated. And so yeah. if I could show her that 22 year old version of me that look, not only you, you got way past acceptance, like, right. Like you built a life where you're not just accepted, you're celebrated like every single day and that you have people and resources and circles and of people who are like in your corner, like they're not just like begrudgingly accepting. They are like cheering you on. They're your cheerleaders. They want you to be the best version of yourself. They're pushing you to be the best version of yourself. They're challenging you. They're growing with you. They are like, that is what I want. And that's what I want my clients to want. And they show up wanting acceptance. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want more for you. Acceptance is fine, but we don't want fine. You don't have to have fine, right? That's not just what's available to you. And, um, you know, I have clients and it's very like, I get it. Like it's inspirational, right? So we're, we're sort of in the TikTok era where it's like, so you get these quick little bits of inspiration and I love TikTok too. So I'm on there and 
it's great. But you get these quick little hits of inspiration, like just want to be accepted for who I am. I'm enough. And I'm like, no, you're not just enough. You don't just need to be accepted. Like that is not what it's about. So yeah, we think we want acceptance we, and, and that's not really what we deserve. We deserve so much more than that. And if I could go back and tell my younger self that, and I could say like, mm-hmm. look, like you get here, the hard work, the reorganizing, the grief, the ending of these relationships that ended, like it sucks in the moment, but it is infinitely worth it. Oh and man. Yeah. Not just for us, right? Not just for us. If I think about the people I was in relationship with, I don't want them to say stuck in the relationship dynamic we had built either. Right. They exactly. all deserve more. Yeah. And in order for both of us to get that, we had to let go of what we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much, so much goodness here. Um, yeah. I just, it, it struck me as you were talking, I was thinking back to like my 22 year old self and it feels like, it feels like, an entire whole different person ago or multiple versions ago, but it also feels like I blinked and I'm here and I'm almost 40 as well. So yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't, something that I've noticed and it really struck me as I'm in this new phase of life now in this whole new book of life really is that that version of me wasn't prepared for this level of relating and this level of of being thrilled about being with people and being celebrated and being adored and like I I wasn't ready for that I couldn't I couldn't give that and I couldn't receive that and so I had to go grow through all of those iterations to get here um but I'm just I'm curious to hear from you what have you noticed maybe as like the markers of this kind of amplified relationship? Like, how can you tell when, oh, there's like that factor, like that's it. Like when you're there, you mean like yeah. not here? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't believe that there's an arrival, right? So I truly, oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm still in this process, right? So I'm still learning and unlearning. And and I don't believe that like we ever get to the point where those old versions of us and all the beliefs they carry and the wounds that they carry and the limitations that they carry, like ever just go away. Um, I like to think of it like we're all driving a bus through life and Mm -hmm. kick anyone off the bus. They're all just sitting in the bus with me. And occasionally some of them will try to get into the driver's seat, right? Whether it's my six-year-old self who's like dad left and I was felt rejected and sad, or if it's my 22-year-old self who was like thinking that she had to be someone she wasn't to get love. Like whatever past version of me, like they're all sitting in the bus and occasionally one will come to the front because of whatever's happening around me and be like, Hey, like, and try to drive. Mm-hmm. And it's my choice in that moment with my awareness and my consciousness to say, like, I can honor you and acknowledge you in the place that you were and the experiences that you had. I can know that you were doing absolutely the best that you could with the information that you had at the moment, but I don't have to let you drive the bus anymore. Yeah. And I think that for me, one of the biggest markers of these of, of being in this the place that I want my clients to get to that I feel like I'm in now is the ability to do that. Mm. And I watch my clients go through this process where like they're driving the bus through life and and when they come to me, a lot of times they are very accustomed to just like whoever comes to the front is just driving the bus, right? And mm-hmm. just packed out in their life in whatever way is 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 feeling like needs to happen. And then they get to the point where they recognize after the fact, right? 
you know, well, they'll come to like a session with me or they'll come to a group with me and they'll say like, I think my like 10 year old who felt super rejected by mom was driving the bus yesterday when I was talking to my partner and man, I can see that that was a thing. Right. So then they can see it in retrospect. And my goal is let's get to the point where we can see it before it's happening. Mm-hmm. I am so self-aware. I am so intimate and familiar with my wounds and the past versions of myself that have been holding trauma and lessons that I know when they come up to the front of the bus and I'm comfortable looking at them and saying, I see you and I know what this is about and I get it and we're still okay. And I don't have to let you drive at all, but you can stand up here with me if you want. I'll tell my partner about you. Hey, I'm feeling super triggered right now because I feel like this reminds me of when I was 10 and this happened and I, I don't know why that's coming up, but it's the feeling I'm having. And there's never a part of me that's like, what if this person rejects me for sharing that information? Or what if they, right. what if they're mad at me because I'm, because I'm not responding the way they wanted me to. Right. So when we practice, when we, when we practice building or shifting or curating our relationships to make space for authenticity, it makes space for us, but it makes space for the entire bus full of past versions of us too, for both people. And when we both know that those exist, you don't have to respond in the moment of it, as if it's them right now responding to you right now. You know, I can look at my partner and say, I feel like there's something going on right now. Like we're, ha- I see we're having a conflict. Again, I think conflict is normal and healthy. So I'm never, my goal is never no conflict. I see we're having a conflict. I'm really curious if this is like, is this us right now having this conflict or is like someone else having this conflict? You know, and we can have those, I can ask that question and I know that my partner is not going to be like, you know, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Right? Like, you know, we can have those conversations or I can say, this is how I'm feeling right now. Even if it's not how I expected to feel or you expected me to feel and it wasn't what was planned, but this is how I'm feeling and I want to honor that. And I have people in my life, my relationships will also honor that. All the way down, like no matter how inconvenient it is, because I am not inconvenient. Whatever version of me shows up is not inconvenient. And so my feelings, my, my, this marker, one of the markers I'm looking for is the presumption that I am not inconvenient. I presume I'm not inconvenient. I presume my feelings are not inconvenient. They are. And the people that want me to be in relationship with them want to know how I feel just like I would want to know how they feel. And it's not taken as an affront or an inconvenience. It's not, so it, there's just, there's space. I think the biggest marker for those relationships is space, space to be who I am, space to communicate my feelings, space for my whole busload of past traumatized versions of me to like be there if they need to be there, you know, space for me to say it, you know, and, and that's the, I think the, the biggest recommendation that I make to my clients that seems, it's so simple but it's not easy, is what would be different? How would your life be different? How would your relationships change if instead of internally trying to sort through everything that happens and everything that comes up and everything that you feel and everything you observe and everything you're experiencing to try and like respond or behave the correct way? What if you just said all of those things out loud? to the people you're building relationship with? What if you just start with telling them? And if you're afraid to tell them, just say that, 
right? Because they're like, well, I'm afraid. Then just then start with that. Yeah. I'm really afraid to tell you this. But right, what if you just what if we took all of that internal? Because that to me it's like attachment wounds, codependency, people pleasing, boundary issues, all of those again share this common theme of like we other orient ourselves and we internally sort through our experiences. Mm -hmm. We don't want to externally behave the wrong way or externally say the wrong thing or be the wrong person. And that's how we misinterpret behaviors. That's how we Mm, end up in conflict. It's how we end up living our lives, responding to subtext, which is another skill set I teach my clients. You know, it's how we angst and like have anxiety and like internal conflict and internal tension about like, you know, the, the moment I get a client and this is like the simplest example, who's like, I don't know whether to text the person or not. Like I want to text the person, but I don't know if I should text the person. Like, should I text? Should I send the text message? My, that, that is the simplest example of like, if you want to text the person, text the person. And if you're not sure that you should text the person, just say that in the text. Hey, I'm not sure I should text you right now, but I wanted to say this. That's the simplest practice of like, can you take all the internal angst you've been living with and move it outside mm-hmm. and use that to build stronger relationships so that you're building spaces that have room, that have room for all of you. No matter how many people have told you you were too much, no matter how many people told you you needed too much, no matter how many people told you you were being unreasonable or you, you know, how, how, no matter how long you have spent working to be the correct version the simplest way to practice authenticity is just to start saying what's true for you. Yeah. If we want to yeah. be authentic beings and sometimes that's so abstract and like, where do I start? You start by just saying what's true for you all the time. I say so frequently that simple and, and I mean, sometimes I say easy, but e- make it easy, make it simple, make it, if you're thinking this thing, then just let that be the, what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I've had such a gift of getting to start to practice these skills in relationship um, that I've seen how we've, and we've both said, wow, this, this was really easy. Like, not that it wasn't difficult or scary or, you know, all those other things, but we'll, we'll just say, cause I'm an external processor. So I will build stories, kingdoms of stories in my head. Um, and it, they're usually really mean to myself. Yeah. And so when I started practicing and saying, Hey, so this is the script I'm running right now. And this is why I'm feeling this way. And I just need to get it out because I want to hear what you have to say about it. And when you practice that and you see that the other person is like, oh my gosh, no, (laughs) that's not what I was thinking at all. This is what I have going on. And I have all this stuff going on over here. that's making me feel this way, which makes it look like I may be projecting those things onto you and it has nothing to do with you or what you just said. And when we like externally process all that together, all of a sudden, like, like it feels like I just, the image that I get in my head is like, we're these artists and we have all of these, all of these paints inside us. And we can either like throw the paint all over the walls inside of us and make this huge mess, or we can dump it all out, make the mess together 
and then talk about what it is that we see out of that. And often sure, something yeah. that an entire novel is actually just a couple yes. of in the story. Yes. Right. It, yeah. it, it's not just a couple of paragraphs, honestly. And it's the quickest right. way to get to creative solutions. You know, yeah. so one of the goals in our in healthy relationships is can we can we collaborate on creative solutions? Because we're not always going to be in the same place. We're not always going to agree. We're not always going to need the same things. You know, and if my inner six-year-old is coming forward and my partner's inner 10-year-old is also triggered, like there's going to be things, yes. but it's so you cannot co-create creative solutions together that work for everybody. If you're both trying to do it internally, guessing what the other person is thinking, feeling, needing, or what they're motivated by, right? So the yeah. fastest way, if you want solution, you want resolution, the quickest way to get there is just to say it. Right. Right. put it outside of you yeah. so that it seems so obvious <laughs> but it's so it's, challenging and yeah. so many of us have been taught we learned not to do that yeah you know and it's yeah. not a deficit it's not a deficit it's literally observational learning and experiential learning from childhood so like when we're kids our brains have one two jobs when we're kids uh the primary job is stay alive right so our, our brains are biologically driven to keep us alive and the second job is learn how to be a bigger human so just like we watch like kittens like observe like big cats mm. and they practice and mimic the behavior and they learn how to be bigger cats by watching other cats like that's all our brains are doing we're watching to learn how to be big humans and we're trying to stay alive that is it and so everything that we experience learn and observe in those formative years that is that is how we are learning to show up in relationship now. And so whatever we're not doing correctly, right, is just it's just an issue of mislearning, right? It's just an issue of I I observed this thing or I experienced this thing as a child. My brain interpreted it this way and drew this conclusion because that's all our brains are doing is keeping us alive and drawing conclusions over and over and over again. And now I'm just practicing the same conclusion now. And so many, so many people, every single client I work with has learned some version of, some version of like, don't be inconvenient. Don't be too much. Don't share too much. Don't burden the other person. Don't, you know, and so we, we learn not to communicate our feelings and our needs and what's true for us for risk of hurt or rejection or um, punishment in some cases, or however, whatever our, what our, our caretakers were dealing with and however they would respond to our, to our wants and our needs. And so we're taught not to take all that internal stuff and put it externally. And your brain genuinely believes this is how we survive. And so you have to, we have to, this is where it comes all the way back to like that original idea of practicing. We have to practice that skill set. We have to practice the skill set of taking the internal self and putting it externally because your brain is still convinced that you might die if you do that, right? Yeah. And it's very dramatic. And um, again, there, there are really simple kind of like shifts you can make to practice doing that. Um, you know, voicing the objection. So if you think about telling the person your relationship with how you're really feeling and there's an objection that comes up, like my advice is always just say that first voice the objection first that way you're honoring and acknowledge it's not going to go away you can't be like oh i i you know make it go away inside of you so then you can feel confident and free to say what you want to say like that will never probably happen so um 
voice the objection first so you honor it and then then you can say the thing right or choose people as you're building your relationships choose people who you know are safe first to practice that with Mm. you know um i often use my own relationships as examples especially when I'm teaching or I'm in a group and and one of the um, my formative relationships with my caretakers so I was raised by my mother my stepfather they were very authoritarian like very religious Um, my stepfather was actually a cop until I was 12 he retired and became a minister like an evangelical minister (laughs) I grew up in the strictest household possible like And I was taught many of these things. And when I started this journey and I started to want to take those internal and put them external, I didn't start with them. Yeah. Like that was not the place to begin. Right. I started with people in my life who like close friends or people who've been been in my life for a long time that I trusted and felt safe with, like, because I wanted to build the evidence. I wanted to practice that the world wouldn't fall apart if I did this. And so I needed those to choose the people be intentional about who you're choosing to start this with. If you're brand new, I tell my clients, do not like whether we're learning to be authentic or be honest or set boundaries, like do not start with the people who feel dangerous to you, whether they're literally dangerous and you are physically unsafe. Like if you are in an abusive relationship that you don't yet have the privilege to leave, you don't start there and you don't set boundaries there. You keep yourself safe until you don't have to anymore. You know, if, if your parents like me feel like they're the unsafe individuals to, to practice this skill with, you don't start with them. You don't have to, there's no merit in that. You just need evidence. doesn't matter who it comes from, right? Start with the mm-hmm. safe people, start with the people who are safe and go from there. You will build the skill, but you can't build the skill by thinking about it and then being afraid to implement it because the P you're trying to do it with the people who are scary. Right. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, I, I'm just, so speaking of voicing objections, I, I know that I would have said this previous version of me, who's, who's not in the place that I am now would have said to your, your question about what if this person rejects me for sharing that information? I, I would have said, well, I know they're going to reject me. How do I find a safe relationship where I won't be rejected for sharing my truth? Um, you know, I, I have answers to this now because I'm in a different space, but I think a lot of people might, might say the same thing, like, well, this isn't safe, but how do I find this? Like, I want, obviously I want to be in a relationship that feels safe, but how do I, how do I find that when I don't have it? I think it's a great question. And, um, it goes back to having to make difficult choices sometimes about whether we can continue to invest in relationships that are existing and whether that person is willing to join us on a journey of growth, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we're in a relationship with a person who might reject us doesn't mean that they would always reject us in Mm -hmm. theory. They have just as much potential as we do to realize the pattern and to want to change it. So that's still a possibility. And I would always encourage my clients to change how they're communicating right? If you're in a relationship, if you're, if you're a client of mine and you're in a relationship and you say to me in a session, like, I know that this person is going to reject me if I tell them this feeling, you know, I would say to you, can we change the conversation around that? Because oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, there are people in the world who will reject you and they know that you're, they're rejecting you and that is their goal. And there are people in the world that are doing things that feel like rejection to us. And they aren't intentionally intending to re- reject us. Mm-hmm. So can we change the conversation to be one about rejection? And then you'll get to this feeling. 
whatever is happening right now, right? Can we talk about yeah. rejection? What that looks like, and you're using the way that those people in your life respond to those that level of conversation as information as to whether this is a relationship that mm. I'm going to continue to invest my time, energy, and resources in at this level, or does does it need to be reorganized? Doesn't mean it has to end, but does it need to be reorganized? Because I think one of the first hurdles is, is many of us, when we start this journey, we're surrounded by people who are invested into relationships with us, with this version of us, with the old version of us, right? And so it is very challenging to build brand new relationships if we are investing in all of those existing relationships at the same level, and then like trying to like add these healthy ones on the side, right? So where can we make space is the first question. So first I'm like, let's figure out what's really happening. Like, is the person really gonna reject you? Or is that something you interpret as rejection? They don't even know you think is a rejection. Is there a conversation to be had there? If there's not, and this person is going to reject you, how can we make space in this realm of connection for you to start to seek out other? Can we make energetic space in your life to seek out other connections? What yeah. might those look like? Let's get clear about like, what are you looking for? Especially if we're talking romantic partners, like. I want my clients to be, to be clear as like to what is it that I'm looking for? How would I know? How would I know that that's the really, like that I found the, the right relationship for me? What would be, what would they, what would their key markers be? Cause they're going to be different, right? They'll be different for me, right. different, for you, different for everybody. Um, I think the other piece of this is the more that we practice showing up, in our life. And this is why I think of this, not just as a relational skill, but like a life curation skill. The more we practice showing up in our life with radical honesty and authenticity and boundaries and clear communication and expectations, the more we inbuild those skills into our day-to-day existence so that everybody from the barista at my Starbucks to, you know, to my partner, to my friends, to the people that I network with, to everyone in my life experiences this version of me and I stop changing it, right? The more my life will naturally reorganize itself around that version. You will be shocked and surprised at the people you meet that you're not expecting to meet. The people that enter your life who are on the wavelength with that energy, but that only happens when we can commit just showing up consistently as this version of us. Because the mistake that people make is we start out, we're in relationships already, right? Maybe it's partnerships, maybe it's our friendships, our family. And all those relationships are built on like version 1.0 of us, right? And they're all functioning on that level. And we start to like explore becoming version 2.0 of us, perhaps. And the biggest mistake people make is they continue, they want to they want to be able to be version 1.0 when they're with these people and they want to, but they want relationships that honor the version 2.0. And that's hard. That yeah. doesn't work. And so we have to go through this process of building up our own internal kind of courage and commitment to version 2.0 of us and to being that person, to showing up in every interaction as that person still being mindful that there are relationships that are safe and not safe, but there are a way to show up in unsafe relationships that, that still aren't self-abandonment, right? Mm. Um, There are ways to do that. There are skill sets around that, uh, that are absolutely navigable. But the point is, is that we have to be that person in every interaction and only then will the things around us begin to shift. Yeah. 
You want to find relationships that are version 2.0 friendly. You have to be version 2.0 as you're moving through the world. Yep. Yeah. That's oh man. It's naturally going to repel people who aren't there. Yes. Naturally attract the people that are. Like you don't have yeah. to orchestrate that as much as we think we do. We just have to apply the standards yeah. over and over and over again. Mm. That is the most perfect place to like bring this all because what I really wanted people to hear from this conversation, if they take nothing else away, is that becoming this whole version of yourself is is the starting point, is the is the firm foundation for finding these relationships. That that once I become the version of me who I would want to be in relationship with, that's emotionally responsive, that is um, compassionate, that processes things together, that sees conflict as something we can do together. Like it's a privilege to do conflict with you. Let's do this together. Um, once I become that, then naturally I'm going to find that which I'm looking for. Um, and it sounds like it, I don't know, maybe it sounds cliche. Maybe it sounds like, oh, well, it's really easy for you to say, but I personally, I did years and years and years of inner work. I mean, committed to it like a full-time job and didn't, didn't project out the other side. Well, I'm going to become this version of me that's going to attract like an ideal partner. Um, I was married at the time. And I was just doing it because I just couldn't live with the version of me who I was anymore. I needed to hear my whole voice and I needed to be able to speak that out into the world. I couldn't live one more day not doing that. And then when I did that, um, my spouse and I at the time consciously uncoupled, but I didn't lose that relationship. It just shifted. It looks different than it did before, but it's not gone. And everyone said, oh, well, you can't do that. That won't work. And I said, watch me. <laughs> because when, when you speak compassionately, when you honor your truth, and when you honor the other person's truth too, and you genuinely just want what's best for both of you, you can do that. It is possible. Um, and then I had someone totally unexpected show up on the scene who was like the version of me that I'd become. And because they showed up at the time where I could see them, what you just said happened. It was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I've been looking for. Like, this is the, you know, the person who, not that we're there, not that we've arrived or that we ever will, but that I want to grow together. Like, can we do this work together now that we're these versions of us who can say, oh, that was that version of me speaking. Or I, you know, let's talk about this because I felt this way and, and I want to I wanna just put it out there with you and, and work on it together. Um, yeah, that's what this, this whole series is all about is these relationships are possible. These friendships are possible. It's possible to heal family relationships too. And it's a ton of work, but I think it's the most worthwhile work that we could engage in. I really do. I agree. And, I, and like I said, at the very beginning of our conversation today, it's, it feels like you're doing relational work, but it really is your entire life. Like you're, you're impacting your entire lived experience yeah. by healing those wounds and practicing those skills. And I think that the, the issue that people struggle with the most is that they hear conversations like this about being that version of yourself and sort of like those things will show up and 
And there's this, there's a little bit of this tendency to interpret that as like, oh, well, again, I have to fix myself first and then I can have the relationships I wanted, then I can be loved. And really it's not about that. It's about, because I think version 2.0 of all of us is just the version of us that's committed to growth. Yeah. And is aware. It's, I think it's about awareness. It, it goes from bringing things that were um, blind spots a little bit more into the light. So we're aware of them. We don't have to work through them all or heal them all. My gosh, like we said, you can't heal those on your own, but, if you're but when com- you're aware. But if you're committed to growth and you're practicing that in your lived experience in the world the people who are not committed to growth just they're naturally not going to want to be in relationship with you it's not about you have to be fixed first it's just like you you're on different you're just on different wavelengths right they're just naturally not going to be able to seek out they're not going to want to seek out and they won't really be able to sustain a relationship with you and the people who are also committed to growth and awareness are going to be able to. And so you'll, you'll, your relationships will naturally refine themselves to match where you are in your journey. And when you can find people who want to do the journey together, that is the mark of authentic relationships, I think, where we can yeah. both say, Hey, I'm not perfect in this. You're not perfect, perfect, perfect in this, but we can figure it out together. Yeah. for as long as that serves our best and highest interest. Right. So mm. thing, and it'll be great and we'll have the experience and we're going to learn and live and experience each other and have joy and, and all of those things. And you'll grow together or you won't. And either way, it's fine because you're still growing. Mm-hmm. I had to put a exclamation point on what you just said. My first guest on this series said something really similar in her wedding vows. She and her husband said, for as long as we both shall love. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me. I was like, oh, that, that sentiment. I love that. And you said, for as long as that serves our best and highest interest. And I just like exclamation point, like, amen. Yes, <laughs> that exactly. Um, I love that forever right but forever isn't always the best thing yeah yeah beautiful carrie thank you so much for joining me i really enjoyed this i really really had a great time i think this work that you're doing is amazing and i'm so happy to meet other people who are endeavoring toward the same goals yeah thank you and i would love for you to shout out your book that's coming out in november so tell me about it november 22nd is the day that it will be available for purchase it is called the b word And it is a book, it is, it is a book all about not only a a new understanding of boundaries, but having clear, explicit instruction for how to practice boundaries in your life, Mm -hmm. even in the face of criticism and not great responses, maybe from other people and and learning not to be afraid of that. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. I think it's, it's going to be an incredible resource, a resource that will that will really do, I think it, what my goal was for it to accomplish what I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, where we can learn and learn and learn and learn. And there's lots of learning in this book, but you have to practice. And so the book really creates some very beautiful opportunities for practice. And I can't wait for people to get their hands on it. It's filled with personal stories and, and client stories, and it's funny and it's clever and it's it should be a good read. So I'm, I'm thrilled for it to come out. I can't wait for people to have it. Again, it's called The B Word. And it is November 22nd will be available. Yeah, beautiful. And I think 
I'm just thinking of this right now, but I think I would really love to. So I have an authentic relationships course that is also dropping sort of at the culmination of this series. And I'm going to throw in uh, the B word book for everybody who purchases that course, because I think it's just like what a great resource to have for them. I want to get that in their hands. So I will throw that in the show notes and let them know. But it is so, so, so important to be a healthy whole person and not lose yourself and not self-abandon in relationships. And I believe that wholeheartedly. So yeah, let's make that happen. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so much. I'm so, so excited. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So check the show notes, everybody, if you're on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, check the show notes for the links to purchase the course, to pre-order your copy of the B word. Um, or if you have any questions, as always reach out. I, I love to make personal connections with people. So I know, you know, you're all about that as well. So reach out to us. If you have questions, we'd love to chat with you. And, um, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now. This show is completely ad-free, so if you gain value from listening, please leave a review and share with a friend. I am so grateful for you.